Well, I want to welcome all the rooms joining us. I usually don't mention all of them, but today I'm going to mention all of them. The sanctuary, the venue, and the chapel in Oklahoma City, our venue out in Edmond, the community center over on Penn and Hefner, Bethany Children's Health Center, those of you joining us online. And uh, next year, I hope to be saying, and we welcome the new Crossings Mayfair folks, but that's coming and it'll be ready hopefully uh, in February. It depends on a lot what um, you begin to do with this Voice of Hope initiative. I want to talk about that for just a minute. When Mayfair uh, literally dropped into our laps, we didn't pursue it. We didn't know it was coming. We could never have imagined what happened would happen uh, when they looked at us and said, we want to give you the building. And I will just say, I've been saying in services, because hope, hopefully there's Mayfair folks in all our services today, and how, how I'm, I cannot even express the thanks. Um, wow. When you want to do something so bad in your community that you'll give up something you treasured for 60 years. And I hope you stick around, because we're going to keep treasuring it. And we treasure your faith. We're so thankful. Several years ago, you helped us purchase 11 acres of land, East Edmond, northwest corner of East Covell Road and Air Depot Boulevard. And we'd like to get started as soon as we can. But you know, we do not take on long-term debt. There have been a couple of times where we did get a short-term construction loan that was based on the commitments that you had uh, sent in uh, for that particular uh, initiative. Uh, we can't start construction until we know we have commitments that cover the full cost. So if you're able to give the Voice of Hope initiative, we need you to do that. We, uh, we would like to get these cards in soon. And so I, uh, hopefully you've been praying about it, you've been thinking about it. The Voice of Hope initiative is an effort we believe God has called us to do. We've never been called to do something this uh, extensive. We've never raised this kind of money. And it's up to God if we do or not. But when I, when I even think about $40 million, that has the word impossible written all over it. But we believe God has called us. Everything I'm talking about is ready now. Everything is ready right now. And all it's going to take are commitments from us uh, to this Voice of Hope initiative. And uh, we'll see the things we can begin to get to work on some things. And I'm thankful for elders that just have said we'll never borrow money. Now, we might have a construction loan. I suppose that's borrowing money, but it's always short-term. And sometimes, most of the time, we haven't even used it. But we, we may have to do that while we wait for your commitments to come in over the next three years. So I would like to have all, all your commitments in by November the 12th, ideally. 19th is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I kind of think whatever God has done, we're going to celebrate on that Sunday before Thanksgiving. So I really appreciate if you begin getting those filled out, getting those in. And uh, that'll help us know when we can get started. Uh, there's no, no denying that God um, had a plan for us to make a difference in our city. And it's gone far beyond our wildest imaginations. We wanted to serve our city. We wanted to start by serving our neighborhood when we were over in Belle Isle. And we wanted to start by going beyond our neighborhood and beyond our building and beyond our place and going other places, even in this community. And God has blessed that. And uh, we've been able to do some things in the community that I'm so thankful we get to do. The first pledge card I received, the commitment card from Voice of Hope Initiative on Tuesday after I had announced this, I think back on September 10th. By Tuesday the 12th, there was a 
We have, we have a, a card that's come in. It was from someone that doesn't attend our church. It was a good sized check. It was a big check. I haven't talked to this guy in years. I didn't ask him. I didn't think, I, didn't, I would never have called him, I guess. But he said, I so appreciate what this church is doing in the community, and I would love to see that continue. That was the first card we got. So I'm waiting on yours. There's a lot we gotta do, and I wanna do all of it, all right? So make a God-sized decision here, that's what we need to do. Last week you heard a phenomenal message from Pastor Jared Chambers. I had the privilege of speaking, someone at my home church up in since, uh, north of Cincinnati in Middletown, Ohio, it's where my mom grew up, my grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, and uh, it was just an honor to speak in their church last week, and I uh, really appreciated that opportunity. But I missed Jared's sermon, but I, I know it was an incredible message. He was the pastor of Mayfair Church, who with the elders had, and the folks with good people at that church, the courage to do whatever it would take to reach their community. A few weeks ago, volunteers from Mayfair and Crossings handed out 200 bags of, of cookies in every home in the close proximity of the church and then went into the entire area hanging 600 door hangers on doors of every home in the area, or as far as you could go with 600. And then we did a Mayfair block party and hundreds in that neighborhood showed up. It was quite an exciting moment to observe. I, I pull up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And uh, you know, part of me said, I hope we don't have to start with two services. <laughs> and then the rest of me said, oh yeah, let's start with two services. And I probably, I, I, you know, I hear God laugh so much and I almost heard God say, boy, you're gonna need three, you just wait. So who knows what God has in mind. And, and, and Edmund, our folks out in Edmund, you're enduring just these crowded conditions and many of you are so waiting for us to get East Edmund going because it's really crowded out there. But, and I know you're there. Some of you will go over to East Edmund at seven miles to the east and uh, we're anxious to get moving on that one too. So I don't know what God's up to. It's a, it's a God-sized situation. I've never been a part of anything like this and, uh, and we'll just find out what, uh, what God has in mind. And of course, as I always say, please tithe first. If you're not tithing, start there. And even if you can't give the voice of hope, uh, remember we tithe on your tithe. We've been, this church has been setting aside 10% of this weekend offerings for the last 64 years. And I think that's why we're blessed because we tithe as a church. And that 10% always goes out to other places and other people in need. That's our tithe. So if you're giving, you're also tithing through the church to some good things we're doing in mission work but we do need you to consider a tithe and then if you have the ability to give a, a pledge, uh, make a commitment to the Voice of Hope initiative. You know what, if it's even $300, $100 a year at this point, it doesn't matter how, I, it helps me know at least you're in and, and you're with us and you're supporting this. So don't hold back because you don't think yours matters. It's gonna take thousands and thousands of us who call crossings our church home to accomplish what God has set in front of us. And I'm, I'm very excited. Martin Luther once said that a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, and is worth nothing. And so this is a moment for us that we pause 
asking for something more from the church and support the mission God has called us to. We return back to 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, story of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What did Jabez mean when he asked God to enlarge his territory? That's where we're going to spend some time this morning. Why is this verse, or these, these few verses, why are they even in the Bible? What are we supposed to learn? What are we supposed to take away from this? What, what is it demonstrating, or, or what message is it sending to us? Bruce Wilkerson is the author that made Jabez famous by writing a book entitled The Prayer of Jabez. This has probably been 15 or more years ago. And I read it right away. And he's written a couple of different uh, books about Jabez, even beyond that one, and I have all of them. If you were to ask me what sentence, he, and here's what Wilkinson says in the preface of, this, of the first book. He says, if you were to ask me, other than my prayer for salvation, when I gave my life to Christ, the prayer of Jabez is the one that revolutionized my life. I would tell you it was the cry of a man named Jabez who is still remembered not for what he did, but for what he prayed and for what happened next. And it just says, and God answered his prayer. We don't know how, we don't know when, but when God answers a prayer, he's always, always bringing more to the table than we prayed for, than we could imagine. Always. Wilkinson went on to write this. If Jabez had worked on Wall Street, he might have prayed, Lord, increase the value of my investments. When Christian executive asks, is it right for me to ask God for more business? Wilkinson says, absolutely. If you're doing business God's way, if your business represents your, your walk with Jesus Christ, are you handling the money in a way that God is pleased? Are you treating your employees in a way that a Christian ought to treat their employees? Your business is the territory God has entrusted to you. Now, not all of us, certainly probably most of us, don't own a business. But we have influence somewhere. All of us do. Wherever, it may be where you work, it may be in the neighborhood, maybe it's a place where you serve or volunteer, it may be here at church. But we all have an opportunity to influence somebody. Not many of us can do even what we would like to do. I've never bought a lottery ticket, but I thought about it this week. <laughs> Why well, I even admitted that, I really don't know, but, <laughs> but I thought, you know, it's, I think it's about a billion dollars. I mean, you know, God, I mean, if you want it, you know, if you, you know, if you want me to help Voice of Hope. <laughs> of course, if I won the lottery, I can't give it to the church. I mean, you know, that's just blasphemy, you know. <laughs> I gambled my money away and I'm going to support the church with my sin, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> We're having a Jabez moment in this church. We didn't even ask that he would expand our territory. But he's doing it anyway. And I'm glad and I'm thankful. 
John Ortberg wrote a book many, many years ago. You know, we love John around here, and he'll be with us again through uh, next year. And uh, it's a great, I want to read this quote that comes out of one of the messages he preached many years ago. He's talking about the locker room. The locker room is where the team deals with reality. We work out our conflicts. We face hard truth. We need to have locker room talk. But it's very important to remember the locker room is not where the game is played. It's played on the field. Today is the big game. Imagine a, a team. We saw a big game yesterday. Really big game. I thought I'd catch all you Sooners in a good mood today. And I'm banking on that good mood, you know. You better talk to Jesus about this. You can't sit in the locker room and say, we're gonna be the winner of the Super Bowl just because we had a great locker room meeting. We love the locker room. We get all fired up in the locker room. The music's awesome in the locker room. The, lo the lockers are superb. We're having more and more people come to our locker room. So it doesn't matter how many people are in the locker room, you don't win the game in the locker room, you win the game on the field. And the measure of the church is not what happens when we're inside the church, it's what happens when we go outside the church and the church goes into the world and says, we will make a difference in your life, no questions asked. We're not going to qualify you first. Are you spiritual enough, religious enough? We're just gonna serve you and maybe you'll go, why do you do this? Well, there's a man named Jesus that has influenced and changed our life. I, one thing that just, as you know, it, it drives me crazy. There's so much locker room talk among Christians and among Christian leaders and pastors and they do the locker room talk on social media and they tear each other apart. This week I saw a brilliant, a brilliant theologian tearing apart another brilliant pastor claiming his, he had lost his religion because he had a very compassionate decision that he made. And I'm thinking, you can say that if you want, but why do we have to do that in front of the world? Because they look at that and go, if that's Christianity, I don't want a part of that. And those kinds of things have taken more people out of church than it has into the church because we have our locker room meeting sometimes out there. But the game is played when we get out of the locker room. When, when prayers are bold and faith is strong and Jesus is lifted up and up there comes down here, that's when our church is doing really, really well. And that's why we're here. And it's not to take what God has given us and go put it in a hole and live life and consider it good. The world doesn't care much about our locker room or how good those meetings are. But if we will tell them why, and if we will leave the locker room and get on the field and do our best to reach someone, not by condemning them first, not by pointing out that, well, we know this about you and, and we're gonna have to get this straightened out first. There's so much of that. This week, and uh, one of our staff, I came out of a meeting upstairs in the conference room and. In, in the cubicle where this uh, young man uh, is, does um, his, it's his office, it's a cubicle though. So in his cubicle, there are all these balloons. I thought, wow, it's your birthday. No, it's not my birthday. Oh, well, what is it? He said, today, this was I think last Thursday, 
He said, today is day 1,000 that I've been sober. 1,000. I'm glad he's on our staff. He's been an intern. He's been a volunteer first. And we're seeing God do something in him as he wrestles, I believe, with his call to ministry. And I think God's gonna use him in many ways. We have a lot of those young folks on our team. And we're very excited about that. I'm glad I've got somebody that works alongside me that's celebrating 1,000 days of sobriety and isn't afraid to say it. I'm glad we have a church that the staff member even feels like I can say that even to the pastor without the pastor getting mad and going, you mean we hired you and you won't have been sober 1,000 days? <laughs> now my next thought would be, oh, working here could really mess that up. <laughs> Just say it. Jabez, by asking God to enlarge his territory, means to abundantly increase. Now, this was not a strange theory, really, when you look at the, uh, some other texts and some other biblical Old Testament leaders. In Deuteronomy 12, 20, Moses had promised Israel a day, when the Lord has enlarged your territory as he promised you. So this, this request was just not out of the blue. It was not out of the line. But Jabez wanted more opportunity. He didn't just want more land. He's implying more influence that came with it, more responsibility, more opportunity to serve the God of Israel. Jabez, by asking to enlarge his territory, means to abundantly increase. And in Genesis 1.28, the same term when he says to Adam and Eve, go be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So as we've lived in this text the last few weeks, we got a couple more to go. We've had a chance to get a perspective on how this is playing out at crossings and even in my life and yours. For most of my life, I didn't pray the Jabez prayer that much, if at all. And I admitted on September 10th when we rolled out the Voice of Hope initiative and that big number of $40 million, it took me a long time to have the courage to do that. I've always played it safe. Frankly, I've always played it safe. I kind of had a, we had a sense of what you were capable of doing and what you would do, and that's where we, and every time you've done it, you've, you've honored my playing it safe. This time is different. It's very different. Let me give you a few ways we can pray the Jabez prayer, particularly in this season of our church. Number one, pray to enlarge my territory and increase my capacity to love those who are not like me. That's part of this prayer. What territory do we need to expand? And oftentimes it's to deal with people around us who are different than we are. They see things differently. They believe different things. And again, we have this tendency to think, well, you can come to my church, but you gotta get your act together first. I think one reason God is using us is because we don't play pretend. And we say at any given moment, most of us don't have our act together. At any given day, we have tough days. So I pray, increase my capacity to love those who are not like me, to love those who are different than me, those who are not at all interested necessarily in Jesus or religious modern day Pharisees that they've encountered. Enlarge my capacity 
to love and care for anyone and everyone who happens to cross my path and stop judging them by either where they go to church or if they go to church or what their doctrinal camp is or what habit they might be into or a particular social issue they're defined by. Jesus gets all that stuff. He's already got that figured out. But maybe God wants us to bring some salt and light into a situation where something good can happen. So we pray, enlarge my territory, increase my capacity, deepen my capacity to love those who are not like me. Secondly, we pray, enlarge my capacity to love God's church. Not a doctrine, not a creed, not John Wesley, not John Calvin, or Whitfield, or Luther. They've all done wonderful things for the work of Christ through the local churches. I don't think any of them would be very happy with the way Lutherans and Whitfields and Calvins and Wesleyans, sometimes Wesleyans don't tend to argue. That's why you don't see us fighting on public. We don't, that's not us. Everything in me wanted to respond this week and set the record straight and make it clear what I thought. And number one, they don't care. They just written me off too, like they're writing off the other pastor. So we stay out of it. And I don't even, I tell the staff, no tweets, Facebook, deriding or criticizing another spiritual leader, even if you can't stand them. And I got a few on that list. So we pray, enlarge my capacity to love Jesus through God's church. The church was his idea. The church is where we gather, we worship, and proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ. It's where we celebrate his work in our lives. Enlarge my capacity to love others. Enlarge my capacity to love his church. And the third prayer I'm praying during this time, enlarge my capacity to follow Jesus on his terms and not mine. Follow Jesus on his terms. Not on Wesley's terms, again, or whatever doctrinal camp people may be a part of. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe that if we will be people who will walk by faith, and if we'll be a voice of hope, and if we'll be known by love, we can have an impact in this community, in our state, in our country, and across the borders. That's who we are. That's what we do. The surest sign you are growing a growing Christian is that there is within you a growing desire to have your life be used by God. And the thing that grieves me most about our current culture is our preoccupation with ourselves. It's all about us. We want more, we want it faster, we want it better, we'd like it cheaper. Our lives have become shallow and self-centered when we are worried about how we look, what we have, and who might have more. And so many people never have a purpose larger than themselves. Pray the prayer of Jabez. Just start today. It's a dangerous prayer. But you be careful if you start saying, increase my territory. Oh, that you would bless me and increase my territory and use me. 
See, if God's gonna use you in ministry, it means giving when you feel like keeping. It means praying for others when you need to be prayed for. It means feeding others when your own soul is hungry. It means living truth before people, even when you can't see the results. It means hurting with other people, even when your own hurt can't be spoken. It means keeping your word, even when it's not convenient. It means being faithful when your flesh wants to run away. So again, this wonderful prayer, it's causing me to pray differently in this season. It's causing our church to think a little differently. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge the territory. God will bless us and he will use us. Believe me, I'm a living proof, example that he will stretch you in places you didn't want to be stretched. He might make you be a pastor <laughs> when you don't want to. And in these moments, I'm so thankful he did call me to do this. I'm very, this has been, this is awesome. And when Norma was talking, that's the spirit of the church. That's one thing I appreciate about our church. It's still the same. And those folks wanted this. They're not, they're not mad senior citizens wondering where their little church went. This is what they prayed for. This is why they parked in the furthest parking spaces you can find here and ride, rode the shuttle bus over here so you, being new, would have a place to park. That's what kind of people started this church. And I have another reason. I'm really glad Norma and Roy visited Westridge Hills in 1960. Because 23 years later, I married their daughter. <laughs> and uh, and believe me, they, they started praying the Jabez prayer right there. You know, <laughs> Increase our capacity to figure out this guy. And you know, when God brought Roy and Norma here, and then Ron and, and Kim, and then when Kim and I we're married. We're very fortunate. It's rare that it happens that all our kids and grandkids were all still here. <laughs> we're going to be here for a long time. I believe God is up to something that's pretty special. And I just hope we would be willing to be ready to let God do what he's capable of doing if we will simply say, okay, enlarge my heart. Enlarge my faith, enlarge my capacity to be accepting of all you want to do with me and in me and through me for the good of other people. I'm going to close this in prayer. And when I do, the, uh, as, as I close in prayer, the prayer teams will be coming down to the front of all of our rooms. Please know our prayer teams gather here in the front of every room you're in to pray for you about any need you have, any concern you have, and anything that might be on your mind. Let us pray for you. Let us have the privilege of praying, knowing you're being prayed for even when you leave the buildings. Okay, that's what the prayer teams are for. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege that you've given us to be the church that we've become. And Father, as best we have known how we have followed your will, your leading, and Father, we thank you 
that you have shown what you're capable of doing when we will simply trust you. Father, increase our faith. Help us be so hope-filled we bring hope to others. And Father, enlarge our heart's capacity to love everyone. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.